the Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show with Dr. Pat Basile. In the next hour, Dr. Pat showcases some of the world's most influential people in the fields of health, wellness, and human potential. Get ready to live life full out. Here's your host, Dr. Pat Basile. Welcome, everyone. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. This is Talk Radio to Thrive by. And we've got a great show for you today. Thank you all for tuning us in and turning us on each and every day. If you go to our website, www.thedrpatshow.com, you'll be able to see that we are on air, on cable television, and in many, many, many places thanks to your request for us to be there. And uh, we're continuing to branch out and grow and expand to reach more and more people. Internet radio is one of the fastest-growing mediums for that. And many people consider me to be a pioneer in this field since my first hour of radio was bought right here on this station. And it has been quite a journey ever since. I get to chat with some of the most action-oriented, amazing people, yet people with an unprecedented consciousness about the planet, about each other, and about themselves. Today's show is exactly a show that addresses consciousness, consciousness of a different level. We call this our Enlightened Capitalism Hour, Right Relationships, Building a Whole Earth Economy, with my very special guest today, Peter Brown. Now, if you want to find out more about what this means, if if you're not happy with what you hear during the show, this is a, a great, great book, and we're going to be talking about right relationships with Peter in a moment. But let me tell you a little bit about who he is. You know, there are stewards and stewardship that we talk about on the earth. Peter is a professor in the School of Environment, Department of Geography, and the Department of Natural Resources Sciences at McGill University. His journey, however, is this incredible weaving orchestra or orchestration, so to speak, of how we come across emerging issues in our society and how we evaluate and decide what the heck we're going to do about it. He's someone that is involved in conservation efforts in the James Bay and southern regions of Quebec and uh, and in Maryland. He operates tree farms in Maryland and Quebec and is certified Quebec forest producer. This and much more you're going to hear today. The question is, for many people, can we trust our businesses? Can we trust the economy? Can we trust, period, uh, the process of what it is going to take to build right relationships in my lifetime, at least, and then beyond? Peter, welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Hello. Welcome to the show. Can you hear me okay, Pat? Yes, we've got you perfectly. Thank you for joining us here today. You know, Peter, I wanted to ask you, I mean, you you could sit down and you can write a book, and the book will tell you some information, but it's not going to tell you everything. It's not going to tell you what this journey has been like for you. You know, what is it about right relationships, about your passion that, has been called to task these days. I mean, what is it that you're excited about? 
What is it that's calling you to action? Well, that's a great question. I um, just to talk a little bit about my life. I've I grew up a part of my time in Schenectady, New York, um, in the 1940s. I remember uh, we had a house. My my father was the chaplain at Union College. We had a house supplied by the college, and if you went out the front door and you looked to the left, you could see the American Locomotive Company factory. After a snowstorm, the snow at within a couple of hours would turn gray. Within a couple of days, it would turn black. Behind our house, there was a barn, and this was a leftover farmhouse, and behind the barn, there was a gate, and behind the gate was the College Arboretum. I think it was about 90 acres. And, of course, when the snow was all dirty, it wasn't so great, but a lot of the year, it was like paradise back there. And that, that really became, I defined that over my, over the five years we lived there, I think as a part of my community, right? And I've felt about natural systems ever since that, you know, they're part of me, I'm part of them, there's a kind of integral relationship uh, between us. And that, that it's my whole life I've been appalled, increasingly appalled, I guess would be to say the, the way we here in North America, it's true in Canada too, the way we treat the natural environment, we treat it as a thing to be used and not as something to be loved and respected. And I've spent a lot of my life trying to, in various ways, trying to turn that around, and that led finally to this book, Right Relationship, which I co-authored with, with Jeff Garver and, and with very substantial input from three other people from the Quaker community, Steve Segge, Robert Howell, and Keith Helmet. So, um, you know, this is a call to redefine our relationship to the earth and to do very concrete things in terms of how the economy works. We think the current economic system is disrespectful of the earth and that it is leading to a, leading to catastrophic changes in the earth's systems, including but not limited to the climate system. And, and there, there is in our view, a very rough 21st century ahead for the human species, probably worse than the 20th century, which was sort of a, a slum of a century in many ways. Uh, but we're going to be looking at, and this is not just us talking anymore, there's the U.S. Defense Department, there are many reports are now saying that we're going to be looking at really massive uh, human and natural disruptions in this century, particularly toward the end of it. And we think that uh, one of the main drivers of that is is the economic system um, and that the United States, Canada, the other industrialized nations are basically leading us in, down a path of, of very, very um, great risk. One of the things that I, I wanted to talk with you about, and, and you really you allude to it in the book and in the work that you do, uh, Peter, is this need to define, you know, do I want to say the word personality? Maybe, I'm not sure. But the need for us to really redefine what a, quote, typical American stands for. And let's just say North American for now. Um, and what I mean by that is, you know, we had an old paradigm of what it means to be successful in this world. And slowly we're redefining that paradigm. We're redefining it from moral and ethical standards, but in a sense, we're not really redefining it. There's a lot of talk about it. There's folks like you. How are we going to take the principles or the questions you ask in this book and have this become the bedrock for how we raise our children? 
Well, that's another great question. We we have to. Uh, I think that the origins of the present dilemmas go way back into our our intellectual, cultural, and religious history. Uh-huh. It's built into both the Greek origins of our thought and the Judeo-Christian origins of our thought that we're separate from nature, right? that it's something out there, and it's not something that we're embedded in and, and on which we're, we're wholly dependent. And that, that comes through in the, in the creation story in the book of Genesis, that, that man is made in the image of God, and everything else is lower than or, or less holy than, than man, and that God is not something in nature but something apart from nature. And in Aristotle's thought, man, humans are regarded as the only rational being. All other, all other animals are, are just live by instinct alone. And we're, those, that notion that nature is out there and separate from us, the other, comes and is built on through many centuries. Not, they're countercurrents all along the way for sure. Um, and I think it's, it's the train wreck of the mm-hmm. 21st century was started in about 12 to 1500 BC with those stories. Um, and we really need to to start educating our children that we're dependent on nature. Nature is at, at, at this point dependent on us in a way. We have a the core relationship between us and nature should be respect and reciprocity, not use. You know, the title of the book implies that, you know, right relationship is something we need to strive for. But what it implies when you dig deeper is that we're in, quote, something less than right relationship right now. Let's talk about that. I would love for you to outline for our listeners, you know, what the dilemma is. For those people that haven't heard it in quite the way you talk about it, I think it's important that we rewind for a minute and we talk about what the task at hand is. Would you do that for us, please? Sure. Well, the the idea of right relationship is, is maybe most easily understood by starting with wrong relationship. Right? Yeah. What's a bad relationship? And one of the examples we cite in the book is is the tar sands project in in um, Alberta, Canada, where where they're extracting oil from from sand using natural gas, using a, a relatively clean fossil fuel to create a relatively dirty fossil fuel. They're destroying a large section of the landscape in the region in which this is going forward. And one thing, this is just kind of an aside, that Canadians, excuse me, that Americans could do for Canadians, be to refuse to buy oil that has that that has that as one of its sources, because we don't have in Canada the political will to shut down this operation. And we would, I would be very grateful for Americans to help us live in right relationship. But it's not just Canada that's in wrong relationship. It's it's the North American landscape. You know, in many in many ways is a kind of tragedy of misuse, careless use, and uh, kind, of, kind of thoughtless uh, behavior. And a right relationship, we, we think, is a relationship which you can have with your husband or wife, you can have with your radio station, your university, your city, and your planet. And it's a relationship in which both parties flourish. And our present relationship with the Earth is where we basically degrade the Earth um, and we need to get into a, a situation where we're respecting it. We think we think there's sort of four things we have to look at to do that at a very practical level. It comes from a um, formula from Paul Ehrlich and John Holdren. John Holdren is now the science advisor to President Obama. 
Well, why don't we hold those four things? Because I want to make sure you have plenty of time to talk about them. And I want to also talk about, you know, the changing of the guard. You know, are we setting ourselves up for extraordinary positive change in terms of right relationships, or are we expecting too much? We're going to be talking with my very special guest today, Peter Brown. The book is Right Relationships, Building a Whole Earth Economy. We've got lots to talk about, and we're going to be talking about those four things, but more importantly, we're going to be talking about um, the questions that this book reveals, the, you know, the, the things that the authors are asking us to not simply consider, but to change. Stay tuned. We'll be right back with the Dr. Pat Show. This is Talk Radio to Thrive by. Go to www.thedrpatshow.com for more information. We'll be right back. Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. Yeah! If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Is Egypt calling you? Join Dr. Friedemann Schaub and Danielle Rama Hoffman for an initiatory journey to Egypt, May 2010. Picture yourself meditating in the Great Pyramid, cruising down the Nile on a private sailing yacht, and exploring ancient temples in exclusive visits. For a journey that expands your consciousness and opens your heart, call 866-903-6463 or visit EgyptIsCalling.com. Hi, this is Anna Luque, author of The Yogurt Diet. Based on scientific research, this lifestyle has been carefully formulated to promote weight loss and boost the immune system. The Yogurt Diet will help you achieve overall balance and radiant health, even if you suffer from lactose and gluten intolerance, yeast infections, digestive problems, and more. Consuming yogurt daily is an excellent way to optimum health and ideal weight. And the yogurt I recommend is Greek God's Greek Yogurt. So thick and creamy. Greek God's yogurt is simply yogurtlicious. Greek God's yogurt is full of probiotic bacteria, good for overall health. And it's made with all natural ingredients in the same tradition yogurt has been made in Greece for centuries. Try the Greek God's popular honey yogurt or the tangy yet subtly sweet pomegranate. Don't forget to try the new Greek God's kefir cheese spread. Great for dips or as a healthy substitute for sour cream. Be happy. Go Greek. Experience the myth. Introducing the featured re-release of Cat James' grassroots best-selling book, The Truth About Beauty, Transform Your Looks and Your Life from the Inside Out. The Truth About Beauty represents the most comprehensively researched and inspiring body and beauty guide to date. It's been called a masterpiece by New York Magazine's two-time nutritionist of the year, Oz Garcia, and a path to personal triumph by former Glamour publisher Suzanne Grimes. The re-released edition of this modern health and beauty classic features 40% new material, including James' long-awaited recipes from her acclaimed Total Transformation programs, plus her living formula for freedom from food obsession, state-of-the-art natural skin, supplement, and anti-aging strategies, and a natural product resource guide called Worth Its Weight in Gold by Marie Claire Magazine. 
If you're ready to get serious, get the truth about beauty and transform yourself today. Visit informedbeauty.com. Margaret McElroy is an internationally recognized psychic, medium, and gifted spiritual teacher graduating hundreds of students from five continents. A popular magazine and newspaper clairvoyant from nearly a dozen publishing houses, she's authored eight books and hosted syndicated radio shows on over 30 stations around the world. Margaret says there's never been such a thirst for metaphysical knowledge. Check out her website at margaretmcelroy.com. That's Margaret, M-C-E-L-R-O-Y dot com. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain inspired really fast. All the time, the number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to the Dr. Pat Show with Dr. Pat Basile. If you have a question or comment, call us toll-free at 866-472-5788. Now back to the program, here's Dr. Pat Basile. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back to the show. Uh, right relationship, building a whole earth economy. My very special guest today, Peter Brown, co-authored the book with uh, Jeffrey Garver. And we're talking about what right relationship means. And first of all, you know, what is it we're trying to solve? And we touched on that in the first segment. But the question is, you know, what are the questions? What are the things we're asking? Uh, have we have we sort of moved aside from looking at green and green economies and and what enlightened capitalism really means? I think these issues and these questions are are being raised at the perfect time. I also think that the answers will come to the forefront. You know, later on today we're going to be doing a show called the Perf Go Green Hour, and we're going to be talking about the issue of plastic. What the, what the latest count is. And part of that has to do with the people that are generating the plastics and the relationships that they have, as my guest today, Peter Brown, is talking about. And we'll get into that as well. Peter, thank you so much for joining us here today. Big questions, big issues, and you were beginning to tell us about, you know, these four points, these four, these four areas that that are really areas we should be looking at and questions we should be asking. Go ahead and continue that, and thank you for joining us today. Well, you're very welcome. Let me mention, uh, before I forget, the book's website. Please which do. Is, which is www.moraleconomy, one word, moraleconomy.org. So one more please, time on that. Okay, it's moraleconomy, one word, dot .org, moraleconomy.org. Okay. Thank you. So let's take a look at some of these questions and and and, and why they're so so important right now. Well, we if you look at the issues like climate instability, uh, the massive dead zone in the um, Gulf of Mexico, the the pall of air pollution that that's over um, parts of Asia virtually all the time now. The, the saturated uh, the, the bad air we get in Montreal. A lot of the bad air comes up from from the Ohio Valley. A lot of it comes from from Windsor, Ontario, Toronto. Um, you know, where there's evidence everywhere that we're overwhelming the Earth's life support systems. Right? That, that we're, we're we're not only demanding more from green plants, which is basically what makes the Earth work, basically from a point of view of life support, but we're also putting out more waste than the living processes of the Earth can absorb. That's what the climate problem is: basically more carbon dioxide being produced than the green plants and the ocean and so forth can soak up. So 
we we are putting ourselves into a situation of very very dire risk and we've gone back in the book to a formula for thinking about this from John Holdren who I mentioned earlier and uh, Paul Ehrlich uh, Paul Ehrlich is a biologist at Stanford University very prominent person in the 70s they suggested a formula to measure human impact so they say i the impact equals think of this as a little mathematical formula population p a affluence or wealth T, technology. In our book, we added the variable E because that's ethics or conduct. We think it's important to bring that out as a separate separate variable. So those are the sort of four things that we can work on to reduce the really catastrophic impact that we're having on Earth's life support systems. And one of the things that we have to take very seriously is overpopulation. That that got pushed to the sidelines, uh, unfortunately, in my view, quite some time ago. But if you look at the, the United States, it's, it's already an overpopulated country because the impact of each American is so enormous on the globe. Right? It's, it isn't just that the numbers that we have, it's that, that the numbers that we have who live the way we do is the problem. So America, the United States is headed for a population of 439 million according to the Census Bureau, in 2050. I think we have to say that's too big. That's way too big. Okay. And we need to get on a track where we're looking at a population that's declining in an orderly way, not continually rising. Um, other countries are Canada by that kind of standard, although we have vast empty spaces up here, of course. is also a, a, an overpopulated country because each Canadian, although not as much as each American, has a lot of impact on the well-being of the globe. So the wealthy countries like us should be looking at population stabilization and decline, not population growth. That has to be handled carefully. There are lots of complex issues. But in, in Quebec, where I live, um, the average uh, number of births per woman is about 1.5 or 1.6. So just left alone, the, the Quebec population would, would uh, decline. That's, a, that's something we should reinforce here. Um, for the uh, A variable or the affluence or wealth, we're too rich, basically, right? We have we have too much power over the nat- natural systems. Uh, wealthy people tend to fly more. They have more cars. They drive more. They have bigger houses. Um, you know, each we, we redefine money in the in the book as the socially san- sanctioned right to intervene in the Earth's life support processes, and on average, rich people intervene a lot more than poor people, not, not in every, absolutely every case. But um, So the goal of, 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 a, of an economy, in our view, should be to live in right relationship with the earth, to have a place where we're not overwhelming and degrading the earth, but where the earth flourishes, we flourish. Um, and in order for that to happen, there have to be fewer of us, and we have to consume less, basically. You know, part of this is really taking a look at breaking this down at the most fundamental levels. Let's start at the global level for a minute, though, Peter, because I think one of the things we talked about is the changing of the guard. You know, I've interviewed Governor Pataki. I've interviewed, you know, certain people in the green community over the past, uh, let's say, six years. And everyone was talking about that administration, the Bush administration, and what was being done. 
and so I want to take take a snapshot of of what what has happened during that administration, but I also want to fast forward to what the expectations are for the Obama administration. You know, what are, what are we, where have we been, and what are we looking for immediately? Well, with the, the stimulus, Obama came in when this, when this whole uh, you know, stimulus initiative was already underway. Yes. I, I think what he should have done in, in, in his inaugural address would be to say, the United States is, and we, the world, are faced by two crises. One crisis is the immediate crisis of unemployment, Home loss, you know, uh, all all the things that go with that, which are which are awful. There's also another. There's a second crisis, which is the crisis of the Earth's life support systems, uh, about desertification, loss of clean water, change in agricultural patterns, right? Massive, massive migration that's going to get underway in this century. We have to think about these two crises together, and move and use the attempt to create employment. Uh, by moving in the direction of an economy that's designed to fit the earth. He didn't do that, and that was an amazingly uh, that was a terrific opportunity was passed up as a result of that, failing to articulate the connection, the positive connection between these two, uh, between these two factors. So um, the Obama um, position on climate change, it's hard to tell what it's going to be like. Right? It's, there are some good things that have been said. But is it going to be really uh, sort of uh, tough-minded and give us some real global leadership or not? Uh, the, the bill that uh, came through the House and is um, now delayed, I guess going to be considered by the Senate in the fall, uh, is a deeply flawed bill. It, it doesn't provide the kind of leadership that the world is looking to from America. And what the White House is going to do with or about that bill is unclear at this point. Well, you know, here's the question, uh, Peter. We have some extraordinary people in the United States and in Canada. Well, let me just stay with the United States because that's, that's what I know best. But we have some extraordinary people that have some incredible lobbying power. What is that that is stopping folks in the quote, and, and I love the green movement. I don't care if people think it's passe. I love it because we still need to be moving. You know, what is it that's stopping people from getting together and 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 saying, "Look, we've got to sit down with you." I mean, if there was any president that's going to say, "Oh, I will consider that," it's going to be this one. Am I like out of the loop, or is this happening? Um, of course, the green movement is an enormous movement. I wouldn't claim to know what everybody's doing by, by an enormous uh, measure. Right. Um, I think your idea is absolutely right. Um, whether it's being pursued by anybody, I don't know. I, I you know, you, uh, Bill McKibben is uh, showing a lot of moral leadership on this question of the of the climate problem. Um, I believe he talks with people in the White House, but I, I think you're right. I mean, there should be a meeting, hopefully not too big because it turns into kind of a circus that way. Yeah. But mm-hmm. but with some key leaders uh, who who you know are, who say we have to go down a different road. With all due respect, sir. We, we need to do that. Um, very hard to control that kind of thing in the sense that, you know, where everybody gets in the room, everybody's sort of pushing their own piece of the agenda. Uh, but what, what we try to do in right relationship is to show it isn't just this thing or that thing that's wrong. It's the whole conceptual framework that's wrong. Well, and that's what we'll talk about when we come back from break. 
Oh, wow. This is a big conversation. What a great book. Right Relationship, Building a Whole Earth Economy. Peter Brown is my very special guest today. You know, when we come back, we'll be talking about the bigger picture. You know, what do we have to do to get the people in the room or get the people in their homes to take a look? You know, is there an agenda? Is there a campaign? Is there a petition that is that is happening right now? I know there are certain individuals and companies, Linda Daniels of Perfco Green, huge petition that they're creating, which you'll hear more about. But what can we do? Is it too late to get anybody's attention? Stay tuned. We'll be right back with the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Hey, guys, I heard you talking about the Ageless Secret. You've got to try it. Just a few sprays of the light mist and my face feels tighter and smoother. The longer I've been using it, the better my results have become. You're going to absolutely love it. So go to agelesssecret.com or call 888-424-4247. That's agelesssecret.com or give them a shout at 888-424-4247 and get some now. Bellagenza Extraordinary Hair Care provides a complete line of natural professional products. Your hair is your number one accessory, so make sure you treat it right with the finest blend of natural food-grade fusion ingredients. Bellagenza provides you with a luxurious experience and high-quality ingredients in a base of aloe and plant juices. Visit Bellagenza.com and receive 10% off when you order online. Just enter Dr. Pat, D-R-P-A-T. That's Bellagenza.com, B-E-L-E-G-E-N-Z-A.com. Are you where you want to be right now? Do worry, fear, and doubt stop you from feeling your best and living abundantly? Create your heart's desire. Live life to the fullest. How? Schedule a coaching session with Dr. Joanne White, author, motivational speaker, life, business coach, and energy intuitive. The success doc will motivate and inspire you to your own greatness. Call 877-DOC-WHITE or visit docwhite.org. Perfco Green. Biodegradable by nature, green by choice. Traditional trash bags stay in our landfills and pollute the earth for over 800 years or more. Perfco Green trash bags disappear naturally within two years and leave nothing harmful behind. Convert your home, school, and business to Perfco Green. Now available at Walgreens, Amazon.com, OfficeMax, and other local stores. Visit perfgogreen.com. That's P-E-R-F, gogreen.com. Performance Velocity brings you the breakthrough human performance formula. ETA equals R, where energy intelligence is the key competency for the successful business leader. Are you ready for this emerging trend? You can ignite leadership, accelerate execution, and deliver peak performance every time. Performance Velocity can help you, your management team, or your company. Call 303-744-2464. Human performance is their business. Visit performancevelocity.com and start getting results now. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back 
to the Dr. Pat Show with Dr. Pat Basile. If you have a question or comment, call us toll-free at 866-472-5788. Now back to the program. Here's Dr. Pat Basile. Welcome back, everyone. If you want to find out more about us, go to our website, sign up for our newsletter, and you could find out about the many things that we are doing, uh, www.thedrpatshow.com or drdrpatlive.com. Joining me here today, my very, very special guest, uh, Peter Brown, the author of Right Relationship or co-author of Right Relationship, Building a Whole Earth Economy. And, you know, uh, we're talking about what right relationship is, and and also, for me, more importantly, we're talking about what each of us needs to do, not to intellectualize right relationship, but to embrace, embed, and indoctrinate it into our lives. You know, Peter, thank you for joining us here today. It is a big well, conversation, and it's a conversation that's happening in a time where we need to get some action. How does right relationship help us do that, both at you know, an individual, a government, and then a global level. Well, we, we, we spoke about before, a right relationship is a flourishing relationship between a person, an institution, or, or the earth, and the processes on the earth. And, and we use that concept to press um, forward with five questions about the current economic system. What's the economy for? How does the economy work? How big is too big? What's fair and how should it be governed? And, and we think, if I'm a professor, as you know, as you said, uh, it, you know, if if I had to give a grade to the current economic system in respect to the answers to each of those five questions, would be five Fs, right? They're all it's a failure on, on all counts. I mean, the it's appalling to hear Secretary Geithner on the radio the other night saying, "Well, the problem's getting solved. Growth has resumed." Right? Um, gr- the point of the economy isn't growth. The point of the economy is to live well, to live in a flourishing and respectful manner. The growth process, as we've talked about in the earlier part of the program, is undercutting the ability of human beings and the planet to flourish. It isn't aiding it at this point. We've, we, we need an economy, obviously, to live and to prosper, but we don't need an economy committed to perpetual growth. The point of the economy should be to retain stable and flourishing human communities, and stable and flourishing natural communities. And we're not doing that. We're, we're off on a, on a crazy project of to, have, uh, to grow forever. And that, that's the first question. What's it for? Let me talk just a bit about the second question, how does it work? Yeah, please. One, one of the most astonishing things, and this, this is almost so uh, uh, amazing that it seems like it couldn't possibly be true, but it is, there's been no significant systematic connection between the thinking of mainstream economics and the findings of science since about 1800. So I, I have a book uh, written in part by, by Chairman Bernanke. Uh, it's a 2008 book. It's, it's up to date on, in terms of current thinking on macroeconomics, but there's no concern whatsoever with the major scientific discoveries of that period, thermodynamics, evolution, complex systems, or ecology, and many other things are not even mentioned. But those things have profoundly changed our understanding of the universe and this planet. But this, this way of thinking has taken no account, account of that. So we, we've turned the Earth 
over to the management of people who not only don't understand it, but don't even care to understand it if you ju- if you can look, take a look at their at their writings. So uh, this is a, an appalling and a dangerous uh, set of circumstances, and yet the, um, the the present debate in Washington is whether to reappoint uh, Chairman Bernanke um, in January or to appoint somebody else who's almost completely like him. What we should be saying is, no, no, please don't do that. Appoint somebody who understands how this planet works and how the economy fits into this planet. Please don't give us another guy who is, um, you know, right up to date to 1800. Let's get somebody who's right up to date to 2009. And so my question then becomes, again, Peter, you know, where are the leaders in this movement and who are the people that are, are standing on the steps of the White House and saying, stop, stop? This is really kind of, for me, a fundamental question. Well, you know, of course it would be. And I shared during the break sort of my history growing up. You know, I grew up in an era where, oh, wait a minute, we don't like that war Oh, there's going to be like three million of us on the White House staff. Right. Okay, great. Oh, we don't like the fact that women don't have rights and we're not really being paid very well. Oh, by the way, let's go do something. Another five million people. Oh, by the way, we don't like discrimination and, more importantly, hate crimes. Oh, let's get, you know, 10, 15 million people to do something. What am I missing here, Peter? What am I missing? I completely agree with that. Completely agree with that. I, I, I can actually, we have a section in the in the book on that, um, on, on on mobilization and and uh, direct action and, and ways to to bring about a massive change. Who's the leader of that? If that's your question, I'm not sure. Maybe it's you. Well, maybe um, it is me. I mean, you know, honestly, I'm you know, I'm I'm seriously thinking about how you know what my nonprofit will be about. You know right. what I will say. What what is most needed? in the formation, and that's something we're talking about now. I certainly do it through through my radio shows as an independent radio host. I mean, that is something that many of us are doing, and you're doing it through your writing. But we need something of power, purpose, passion, and peace. You see, you, you know, I'm not really calling for let's trash the White House. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is we have the largest population right now of eco-conscious people on the planet than we've had in decades. We really do. I mean, we have celebrities that are creating movies. We have politicians that are plugged into this. We have politicians' sons and daughters that are into this. So I don't know enough about the political system and call me naive to understand why it is we there isn't an audience or a gathering or something that addresses your questions because your questions are very powerful, Peter. I mean, what you're asking for in the book is extremely powerful, and we have to take it and have your suggestions leap right out of the page and become an action. That's, I think, what's so important about this. What is it that we have to do? Have we kind of gotten to the place where we think President Obama is going to push the buttons and make things happen? Are we waiting? Well, if, if to, in answer to the, I mean, to the question, would I be pleased to meet with the president and talk about these issues? Of course. What, but what, what you're talking about is something enormously different and better than that, which is 
to you know have a mass mobilization to say you know please sir take this ship in another direction um, and you know that's that's I agree that there there are millions of people out there who would who would love to see that happen. That's got to be mobilized. You people like me and people like you have got to work together to make that happen, which is what we're doing, of course, in this program. But you know we need to do it on a massive scale, where where we're talking, you know, with uh, tens of millions of people, hopefully, uh, coming behind this. I, there is a, a friend of mine here in Montreal, David Miller, is um, you know keeps me aware of. You know there are coalitions and then coalitions of coalitions coming together behind some leadership at Copenhagen. You know, whether whether that's going to happen fast enough uh, to mobilize the administration and the U.S. Congress to take leadership there, I, I doubt at this point, but um, I never give up um, until, you know, the, the game's over. But uh, if Copenhagen is a failure, which many people now say it will be, that's okay, and in one sense, we've got to go. We've got to go on. And you know, a, a person I mentioned before, I think, is exerting a lot of moral in, moral leadership on this, Bill McKibben. But um, you know, can't be only one person. It needs to be a coalition of people, but not too many. And we, I think, <laughs> yeah, we don't need ten million, right? <laughs> well, need some leader. I mean, if you look back at successful, massive social changes of the past. Like uh, the the women's movement, like um, Mothers Against Drunk Driving, like uh, the civil rights movement, like Gandhi's leadership in England, Mandela's leadership in South Africa, those those were sparked by in the most for the most part by one or two people uh, who were able to articulate a definition of the problems and a different way forward, and then they were able through their moral leadership, through their attractiveness of their personalities and so forth, to bring, you know, vast numbers of people into the discourse with them, and also in a way that demanded change. These, these, were, these were people who were masters, masters at how to get people to see that the system they're living in, you know, is, is morally repulsive. Uh, the 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 the, uh, the police of of, uh, of Alabama and Georgia and so forth, they did Martin Luther King uh, the biggest favor they possibly could have by the way they behaved. Um, you know we have in have had in the bailout of the big banks one of the greatest thefts of human history, right? I mean maybe the greatest theft of human history in the human right. history. Um, you know it was just I mean beyond all imagination almost. Uh, yet, you know, we're we're quite passive in the in the face of that. We need to we need to call this for what it is—a a bunch of folks, you know, who who uh, it's a revolving door, right? They're either, they're either in the bank or they're in the Fed or they're in the or they're in the Treasury or something like that. Um, but we need to keep focused on the decline of the Earth's life support system. Absolutely, and we need to keep focused on new innovations. When we come back, we'll be talking about you know, what we can do to keep our eye on the target. What is the call to action for all of you listening to the show? When we come back, Peter Brown will talk about that. Uh, and we'll talk about some of the innovations that are happening, some of the things that are happening that do make us proud. Stay tuned. We'll be right back with the Dr. Pat Show, Talk Radio to Thrive By.
Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you living your life to the max? Is there anything you would like to change about how you feel or what you're experiencing? You can have anything you want, and empowerment psychic Linda Dickinson can show you the way. Living your life to the max is more than a catchphrase. It's what we intended when we came into this life. Empowerment psychic medium Linda Dickinson online at InMyFuture.com. For private sessions, call 800-206-9096. Live your life to the max. Are you feeling stuck? Do you want to be free from fears and doubts and finally feel good about yourself, but you just don't know how to get there? Dr. Schaub's Accelerated Breakthrough Program provides you with the tools and solutions to go beyond your limitations and achieve self-empowered confidence. Call for your free phone consultation at 866-903-MIND. Visit CellularWisdom.com. That's CellularWisdom.com. Margaret McElroy is an internationally recognized psychic, medium, and gifted spiritual teacher graduating hundreds of students from five continents. A popular magazine and newspaper clairvoyant from nearly a dozen publishing houses, she's authored eight books and hosted syndicated radio shows on over 30 stations around the world. Margaret says there's never been such a thirst for metaphysical knowledge. Check out her website at margaretmcelroy.com. That's margaret, M-C-E-L-R-O-Y, dot com. Learn how to help people deal with loss and the grieving process. The new online certificate in bereavement studies at the Center for Integrative Health focuses on the spiritual, cultural, and workplace aspects of loss. Completely online, the one course per month format allows you to complete the certificate in as little as nine months and earn graduate credit from a regionally accredited institution. Financial aid is available. Visit centerforintegrativehealth.org for the National University Systems Center for Integrated Health. That's centerforintegrativehealth.org. Have you signed up for the Dr. Pat Show newsletter? Find out about upcoming guests, current promotions, events, and information. Go to thedrpatshow.com. That's thedrpatshow.com. And sign up now. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to the Dr. Pat Show with Dr. Pat Basile. If you have a question or comment, call us toll-free at 866-472-5788. Now back to the program. Here's Dr. Pat Basile. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back to the show. I am so thrilled to have Peter Brown joining me here today. Peter Brown, as I said before, is the co-author of the book, Right Relationship. But more importantly, you know, you'll be able to find out more about Peter's work uh, and uh, Peter and and Jeffrey's work if you go to the website, moraleconomy.org, moraleconomy.org, and check it out. Check out the book. You know, we've talked about so many things today, and I think we we have to step back and talk about technology for a minute, and what it means, how it fits in, and, and, and what all of this has to do 
with how we, uh, and I don't want to use the word, you know, Peter, how we write, you know, sort of the, the wrongness of some of what's happened to people in, and let's just say in North America, in the United States right now, because there are people feeling like they have been betrayed. But technology seems to be the hope we have. Yeah, I would like to comment on that. I'd also like to just, talk, before we conclude, talk a little bit about the, some of the governance thoughts that we had in the book. But on technology, we were saying before there's sort of there are four variables we can work on, population size, wealth, technology, and ethics. And we talked about population and wealth or affluence. Let's talk about technology. Technology has got to be a part of the uh, solution to reducing the human impact on Earth's life support systems. Solar power is extremely promising, not maybe in a place like Seattle or Montreal, but in, in Southern California, Arizona, New Mexico, you know, the capacity to produce electricity with solar power is, is really enormous. And, and we should be moving away from coal uh, and toward, toward that kind of technology. You can now transmit electricity over very long distances with much less loss uh, than under the older technologies. And, and that we should be developing a grid that, that basically harvests that, that free sunlight that hits those places uh, almost every day and, and uh, be, be using that. Instead, we're, we're betting a lot on a technology that isn't proven, which is uh, carbon capture and storage. So we want to go ahead and burn lots of coal with the notion that we're going to be able to capture that and put it down into the earth. And I had a student here at McGill who did a very good paper on that, uh, named, um, uh, her last name was Bard. Um, and and she uh, she basically said, well, let's be careful about this when you... When you're burning coal, you, to capture the carbon, you've got to use energy. And you've got to use energy to transmit this gas that you then have, uh, carbon dioxide gas, to, to some other place where you pump it down into the earth. Let's say that's 500 miles away. Then you've got to use more energy to pump it down, and then it's got to stay down there for thousands of years. Let's not bet the planet on this, right? Because we don't, we don't have any reason to think this is going to work at the scale it would have to work uh, to solve this problem, right? So technology is very important, but we've got to have a very tough test about technology. Do we know that this thing is likely to work? And for carbon capture and storage, the answer to that has got to be a big, big caution light, right, that, that we don't know yet. I would like to switch over, if I could, Pat, with, to this issue of governance. I would like to talk about that as well because, you know, I, I think what you're you're saying in the book is, there has to be some shift at, at, you know, at an infrastructure level to make things happen. Right. So, so at, a, at a minimum, we need to have a global authority that is, understands and can regulate the global commons like the atmosphere and the oceans. Exactly the form of that doesn't matter a lot. We think the European Union model in, uh, that's in, in most of Europe at this point is a very useful place to start, but there could be others. But, but the key thing is that the nation-state system can't solve the problems that we've got. It, the, when, the, when the G8 leaders went to Italy recently, each country was kind of trying to position itself to get the best deal it could uh, from its own point of view. Nobody was there representing the well-being of the earth, right, and thinking, okay, well, this, this, we've got to set some, some global targets. We've got to set standards that each country has to live up to. And then we have to enforce those targets and standards with very, very tough measures. What, in, 
what we have now is a passed the Kyoto Accord. The United States ignored it. Canada signed it and then ignored it. Nothing happened. Um, you know, we're, we're we're we have to rethink the nation state. The nation state was not a bad idea when it was uh, came up with come up when it was thought through um, uh-huh. at the Treaty of Westphalia, which I think was 1648 or 49, but. Um, it doesn't work for the problems we've got now. It's not working. We can we can see that. So we have to jump up basically to another level for certain kinds of problems that we've got. We also need to replace or or at least supplement the Federal Reserve, which is a, is a real mess at this point in my view, with what we call in the book a global or earth reserve, which basically the Federal Reserve tries to manage the economy by interest rates and money supply. We need to have an entity that understands how the planet works biophysically and then set the standards for the economy and the performance of the economy to live within those biophysical processes, not to ignore them as the present, as the present system does. So we've got a tough job ahead rethinking, you know, the whole way we govern ourselves. And, and what we've done is to turn the governance of the earth over to people who don't understand it. One of the things that I think most of us don't understand at our level, I know you're immersed in this, Peter, is, is what all of that means. And, and, and that's really got to be the power in how we communicate. It's taking that dialogue about infrastructure and saying to folks, look, this is how it's going to affect you in your life every day. That's what the conversation has to be able to do because what you've done is you've laid out a platform that says this is a solution at this level. And, you know, your work continues to say if we do this, this will happen. What is it going to take for the average American to really understand the implications of what you're proposing? Well, of course, in part, programs like uh, this one that we're, we're having. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the, the data, you know, on um, on the adverse side effects of climate change is now, you know, it, it, at hand, particularly in the southern, southeastern United States, Texas, down in that region, you know, it's very, you know, the, t- the climate's changing very dramatically. It's changing dramatically here in, in southern Canada. Um, you know, anybody that's paying attention can can see you know that that things are different and and they're getting more different faster you know sort of all the time um, and we have for reasons we talked about at the very beginning of our conversation we have the mistaken idea well somehow we're going to not be affected by all this right but but we're affected by um, you know by 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 swine flu we're infl- we're, in, we're infected by um, uh, West Nile virus that's now in that's now in Canada that used to be just a tropical disease. You know, we we have to get over this idea that you know nature nature is just out there and it's some sort of a passive thing we can use. We, there's a great phrase kind of from American baseball: "Nature always bat, bats last." Right? Uh, we need to treat it with respect. Right? It's been a year. I mean, I think you know the universe is about 14 billion years old. I, I think the universe is a learning process. Right? The universe has evolved over that period and it's constantly continuing to evolve. Life on Earth has been learning for about 4 billion years. Human beings have been learning for about 10, 100,000. And uh, each, you and I have been learning, learning for 50 or 60 years. 
And we think we're smarter than Ed and we're crazy. Oh, there you go. Wow, thank you so much for joining us today, Peter. Thank you for writing the book. And thank you for taking a, you know, a story out into the world that we need to truly pay attention to. Thank you for the show. You're welcome. Good to talk to you. Thank you, everybody, for tuning us in and turning us on. Again, go to www.drpatlive.com if you've missed any part of this. We'll see you next time. For listening to the Dr. Pat Show, radio to thrive by. To contact Dr. Pat, visit thedrpatshow.com. Tune in next Thursday for another dynamic hour of the Dr. Pat Show with Dr. Pat Basili.